Hello and welcome to the Delco Skate Park Coalition podcast. The Delco Skate Park Coalition is a nonprofit organization of skate enthusiasts, parents, and disability rights advocates looking to build adaptive and inclusive skate parks in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Erin Lopez, and we are the podcast that covers all things about skateboarding, skate parks, and not just skate parks, but ADA, accessible, adaptive all wheels, and inclusive skate parks in Delco and beyond. Stoked to be here with Sean Farnan. Sean grew up in Toby Farms, Pennsylvania. Grew up skating there at a very young age, got his first skateboard, and Sean is here to tell us his story. Sean, welcome. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you for being here. Thank you. So, like, kind of where you want to start out is, you know, we know you're from Toby Farms. When did you first get your very first skateboard? Um... So I um, moved to Toby Farms in like 1978, um, which was, you know, it, it was a whole different world moving down there. It was great. Tons of kids, um, tons of things to do. And I got my first skateboard, I'd say probably like around 12, 13 years old. Um, a lot of us used to just ride our bikes around, you know, uh, BMX. And then once the skateboard came on the scene, I don't think we rode a bike again for a few years. Um, did someone give you your first skateboard or did you like, because um, back then there were like hobby shops and you could buy a yeah. deck and all the equipment and put it together yourself. It was like the typical like story that parents do like, hey, let's go to Kmart and get you a skateboard <laughs> and, um, you know, let's see if you like it, if it sticks and we'll go from there. So I think our first, me and my brother got like um, Kmart ninjas or something like that, you know, just as basic of a board as you can get and then just rode the heck out of that thing. Were um, they like the wood deck or was it a, like a... It was, it was a wood deck. It wasn't like a real skinny board. I mean, if, everybody had one of those little skinny boards with the wheels. I don't even consider that, you know, it was a skateboard, but that was kind of like, eh, I want the real deal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I'm trying to think how we first saw it. it. Probably would have been on a magazine or a video or something like that. And um, we went up there and we pointed it out and we wanted the big fat deck with the rails on it and the, and the nose guard and the tail guard, everything that nobody has on their boards now. <laughs> and um, big, huge trucks. And, um, you know, we got the ninjas. You know, begged our dad and he got us that. About um, what year is this when you guys get it? So if I was 13, um, what year did I get the board? Yeah. I'm going to say I was about 13 years old, so that's about like 1984, 85. Okay, so we're 85. in the kind of the 80s technology for for that time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, you get, you get your board, you get this Kmart Ninja, and you start to skate it. Does it really click with you at that point? Or are you like, this is what I'm going to do? Absolutely, right away. Um Again, so I ride my bike constantly now, as we talked about a little bit. So, you know, the last thing I'm going to do is say the bike wasn't fun. Um, But I was limited on the bike. You know, I can do jumps. I can do stuff like that, which we all did. But the the flatland freestyle, I wasn't wasn't doing too good at that. So it was like, all right, let me try out the skateboard thing. 
but the skateboarder, something about it that <clears throat> the bike didn't provide. It was um, more expressive, mm-hmm. you know, and it had also more of a, you know, if you're a little misunderstood, you feel like a misfit, you know, or something like that, the skateboard kind of, it, it, it helps you, you know, mm-hmm. it helps you kind of, you can just go out, you can ride, you can do your own thing, you know. Um, so it became something that was personally a lot of fun. And then it became something that I can do with all my friends and have a lot of fun. So in essence, it kind of became everything to us as a kid. Uh, and I should say, uh, when I say us, I'm talking about my little brother and I, my little brother, Matt, Matt Farnan, who was um, like 11 when he got the skateboard. So, so we you were, guys are pretty close in age. We're tied at the hip, you know. So we were, doing, we were both doing the same things at all times. And my, my dad, you know, it'd be easy to get us two skateboards and then two kids are happy, you know. That's so, something similar with my sister. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get the same exact board. Okay? Yeah. yeah. Go. Goodbye. And then, you know, and then see if it sticks, um, which it did. And um, as we got more and more into it, and then a lot of our friends uh, started getting into it, we started buying the Thrashers and kind of like going, hey, Dad, um, yeah, um, about the skateboard. <laughs> so... Uh, I ended up, my first real skateboard was Alva Craig Johnson, um, which I actually broke and bought another one. I love that board so much. It had nothing to do with the board. It had everything to do with the graphics on it and all that. <laughs> but yeah, it was yeah, so, cool so graphics. cool, you know. Um, and my, my younger brother got an Alva as well. And quickly, Alva became our go-to skateboard. That's who we associated the most with, with uh, all the Alva riders. So at that time, were you making friends in your neighborhood that were seeing you skate and starting to say like, hey, we're, we're into this too? So being growing up at Toby Farms, um, there's a ton of kids down there and it was street hockey. It was basketball. Um, and it was just, you know, running around, <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe even getting into trouble. Um, so when me and Matt or Matt and I started skateboarding, that was kind of out of nowhere, but then, you know, other guys had skateboards. So, uh, up around the corner, you know, that's where we got, we saw Devin with the skateboard, Devin Priest. Uh, that's, you know, Shane went from BMX riding to skateboarding, you know, uh, when we took the bus, you know, we'd be, we would start listening to, back then we all had Walkman. Yeah. I know it's some crazy concept. They were these clunky things that, you know, for the Gen Z crowd that didn't have one of these, they were these clunky things. You could get AM and FM radio on it, but really they were made for cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. And then they had these big clunky earphones that went with them. And in, hey, in 1984, if you had a Walkman, you were cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if I was cool, but I had a Walkman. Um <laughs> And something that I believe is, has always been synonymous with the skateboard culture is, is music, specifically punk rock music. So when you're on the bus and you're riding your bus through Chester and everybody can hear through, everybody can listen, hear what you're listening to on a Walkman. They can hear the music. We're playing it loud, yeah. And I'm sitting there and I'm playing uh, you know, Dead Kennedys and then other people can hear it. Some people will be like, what the heck's going on? And some people are like, yo, what's that? And those people were the people who also were like, yo, you know, what's a skateboard, you know, let's do this. And that was like the Devons and the Johnnies and the Shanes. Basically what I'm saying is these are black kids growing up in Chester who were so into this new thing that probably their families and friends didn't even really understand whatsoever. 
but they were into it. They went and got skateboards, and then they actually took off from, from like, my brother and I. They were so much better. It was awesome. And um, it was that whole music, uh, skateboarding kind of community because we don't really fit in with everybody else. Or maybe you don't want to fit in with everybody else. When you started to meet um, some friends like Devin and Shane, it sounds like you guys get more serious about your skateboarding at that point, too. It's all because of Shane. Um, Talk to me about Shane, because, you know, Shane seems like he was a really important person in your life, and especially growing up. How did how did you first meet him? Shane, Johnny, Devin, Matt, and I, we were the tight. There's other people, and I'm going to mention all those names, but um, Shane was a, about a year or two older than me, and um, we always hung out or seen each other because of the BMX scene, and Shane was unbelievable on a BMX bike. I mean, the guy would just we would bunny hop up picnic tables. He would, go, you know, bunny hop onto a hood of a car. He was so physically superior, and that was nothing compared to his huge personality. His personality was just gigantic. I can hear him laugh right now. It was just this huge guffaw laugh. And um, when he switched to skating, he was doing stuff easily that we had to really work hard for. So now we were like, okay, if I'm going to ollie like for real, I got to start working so I can at least keep up with Shane. The whole picnics thing, he went from bunny hopping up to picnic tables to ollieing up picnic tables. The dude would just ride up, boom, ollie up this thing in 1984, right off the other side. And that just blew our minds that he can do that. But his physical prowess was unbelievable. So he's able to pick up some of these maneuvers that you guys are like seeing in Thrasher and some of the magazines. And he's just able to execute those. He's just able to do it. It's not like he or we had anybody coach us. It was 100%. If it was anything, it was the video, the Suicidal Tendencies video, Possessed to Skate which that was all of our favorite band back then. We were all about suicidal tendencies, and Shane would have the flipped-up bill with the ST on it, just like the kid in the video. And that's where we started learning how to do stuff. Um, you know, And, of course, Thrasher was there, which might have had some how-tos here or there, but it was basically just try over and over again and go for it. That's kind of where I think we had a beefier style than some of the other towns around us. You know, we were doing... Lots of like crazy boneless acid drops, just you know, main huge things. I mean, Shane was famous to us for acid dropping off an 18 wheeler. You know, there's an 18 wheeler parked across the street. He goes up, he climbs on the bumper, climbs up the top of it, and just boom, jumps right off of that thing and lands. Like, wait, you know, wait. unpack that a little bit. Where is <laughs> this thing parked? Where are you guys? How does he climb? We're in there? Toby Farms, it's parked across from Johnny's house on, um, I think he was on a, a dare and um you know we saw it over there and shane's like yo i'm gonna have to drop off that 18 wheeler <laughs> which i think somebody did in the video somewhere i can't think of it somebody can tell me so he may have saw that but he he does it he just goes so up he there climbs and does up it. does he like skate down the rectangular portion of the truck or like how does he, he climbs up the side of the truck so basically he puts his foot on the, re- the side view mirror and then goes off the top there gets onto the rectangular part and basically runs and jumps off the thing and then just acid drops off and lands on the ground. And he lands it. Lands it, you know, and that's just, that's Shane. That was completely the way he was. It was, and then none of us would do that. (laughs) (laughs) But we want to. Um, But then when it came to 
working at skateboarding and becoming better, he was our main push. Everybody progressed from because of Shane. Now Shane had all the skills. Devin was more finesse. Um, you know, Johnny pulled it all together and he was a little more finesse too. So they were doing a little more of the finesse tricks where guys like Shane and me and even my brother were doing a little more of the burly stuff. Um, just because I'm not the finesse kind of guy, you know? Everybody and has their own style of skating. We all had our own style. And that was pretty cool. And we, we allowed each other to have our own style and push each other to have our own style. You know, so when we had our little crew, everybody was like their own piece of the puzzle, you know, to this. Um, and it sounds like you all fit it together. You know, it's not just through the friendship, but through the way that you were skating. It all just kind of fit for you guys. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's, that's skateboarding. You know, when, there's levels to everything, of course. But when we talk about skateboarding, you know, well, there's one conversation about the actual deck and the wheels and all this, this, the skateboarding and all that. But, you know, what I feel is most important and one of the best things about skateboarding is, um, you know, the atmosphere it creates, I guess is the best way to say it. You know, so here we are. We got these white kids from this street, these black kids from these, this street. You know, some of us are nerds, some of us are, you know, jocks, some of us are, you know, just misfits and a little socially awkward or whatever, but we all kind of find each other, and right away we all accept each other because we have this damn piece of wood with wheels in our hands, and then we all encourage each other. Uh, you know, it was really unheard of back in the 80s. That wasn't the, the way it went, you know, and I'm as, I've been to every sport there was, so I went from... You know, getting my ass kicked in football and getting yelled at by some dude. And then going to skateboard and it's like, yeah, man, good job. You know what I mean? That's awesome. And you're like, whoa, this, is, the, this is great, you know. Um, and, of course, you're being physical. You know, it's always important to me to be outside doing something. That's where I'm happiness. You're out there and you're adventuring. Big deal to me. I still adventure to this day. I just got done riding my bicycle across the country. I still adventure to this day. We used to get on our skateboards in Toby Farms and skateboard to the Granite Room Mall up 352. I don't think, I don't know if I'd let my kid do that, this, you know, but that's what we did. When we went to Fairman's, we used to skateboard from Toby Farms to Fairman's. We went on an adventure. It was a kick and push for miles, but that was... Fairman's in... That was in Prospect Park. So you would skate the whole way there? We'd skate the whole way there. Yeah. Moms and dads didn't really know. <laughs> um, we'd find half pipes. You know, um, we had no half pipes. Down, down to Farms, down Chester. We, we, had, <laughs> we had nothing, really. Um, so tell me about, like, the skate terrain in your immediate neighborhood and, and what you guys were willing to do to kind of find the skate terrain you were looking for. Street, straight street. Everything was street. Um, and our vert, our, our half pipes, our vert, they were launch ramps. They were just a ramp that was built. Um, so first, before we get into what we built, uh, we would just use what's around us, which was curbs, fire hydrants, benches, park benches, um, picnic tables, and then we did a lot of rail slides on like somebody's garden would have like a six by six piece of wood, you know, to build up a wall. We'd wax them up and then we'd be able to rail slide them. And we had spots. So across from Chris and Sean Taylor's house, they had the rail spot, rail slide six by six spot. 
So, hey, you know, at the school, yo, on the bus, you want to meet over at the rail slide? Yeah, meet over at the rail slide. Go over there and there's rail slide for hours. Just over and over again. You know, and then when somebody does one really well, it's like the greatest feeling in the world. Um, you guys are all cheering each other on. All cheering each other on, just having a good time, razzing each other. But, you know, outside just having a ball. Um, so your skate terrain in your immediate neighborhood is like all the street stuff. And then you guys are, are looking for, for more, too. You're looking for those, you know, half mm-hmm. pipes. You're, so are you guys going out to different spaces to try to find the terrain you're looking for? It's funny you say that. Um, so growing up at Toby Farms in, in Delco, you know, we're just like little pocket over here in the corner, you know. And we know they're skating out there. Like, we know it. We, we, we've been to Fairman's and a couple other places, and we see, and we heard of these kids, and, you know, it's no different than any other sport. Like, yo, Johnny's great at, he can hit a home run. Well, yo, Johnny, you know, he can hit, he can do a 360 or something. So there would be times on a Saturday morning, Sunday, whatever, yeah, let's go find a half pipe. And then uh, we would venture out of Toby, and we'd pretty much head up McDay Boulevard. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, Ridley so had a really cool scene. Busy. Boulevard. Yeah, but Ridley in that area had a really cool scene. Um, Media had, so uh, Freeman had um, a ramp here in, I'm sorry, Freeborn had a ramp here in Media. The Mansers had one in Ridley. Optinegger had one in Aston. Whether they were invited us or not, we would show up (laughs) and um, do our best. We never skated vert before, but we were... We'd get on that thing. We try, you know. It was all about trying to learn and get better, you know. So you go to some spaces and you've never skated vert before, but you guys, you like the first time you skate vert might be when you're with a group of other people, other skaters who are mm-hmm. watching you. You know that has to take like a lot of courage and resolve to like. It's okay, totally I don't even know the line that I'm going to skate, but I'm just going to do it. For me personally, completely intimidating. Um, you know, to drop in was a major thing. Shane, Devin, it didn't bother them one bit. In fact, if like if I was in, if I could speak for Shane, I would almost think like he's like, I'm gonna show them what I can do. Like he had a whole I was intimidated. Shane was like, I'm ready to fly. You know, this was his opportunity, you know. Same with Devin too. Devin was really Devin was a really, really good skater. And um, where Shane might have bullied his way through with his muscles, Shane or John, Devin really figured out like the finesse part and the technique and everything. He had that master. I think Devin was the first one to do um, the kickflip out of all of us. Um, and that was a major thing. When you guys uh, are going out to like Ridley and to other places, are you sometimes looking for the skate contests that you can go to? Like when do you, when do you start to think about that level of, we're gonna we're gonna try to take our skating to a contest. I think that came to us. I, I, none of us ever sat there and were like, you know, okay, let's put that on this game plan. You know, we're gonna practice this and we're gonna go join this uh, contest. I mean, that sounds a little. It's almost a little too like ball sport to me. You know what I mean? Which is cool and all, but it's a different, it's different. Um, I think we were just more like looking for a different experience, you know, and, you know, being from Chester, there's no doubt there's a little edge on you that's like, hey, I want to show people what I can do, you know, where I think we're, it can be an underappreciated area. Um, And a lot of us from there, 
actually are proud of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're like, well, yeah, we're going to show you what we got, you know. And um, But, I mean, it was just another thing to do, another fun thing to do. Yo, Fairman's is having this contest April. Let's all go up there and join it. Never in a million years did we think anything was going to happen. Um, in April 88, the Fairman's contest, Johnny took first. In a 12 and under. Oh, wow. Um, Devin took third in a 13 to 14. And Shane took third in the in the 15, 16. So you guys go to the Fairman's Contest in 1988. And you're just like, we're just going to go and show them what we can do. You know? And you place. And I don't think anybody even knows who we were. So I think Mark Walcavage was in that. I think Josh Ball was in that. We're talking guys who are great people, first and foremost. But really respected skaters. Um, Walt Cabbage is a big name in Delco skating. And these guys come up, and we're not in any of the scene because we're all down here in Chester. You know, these guys are the only black people. So this is the first black kids to come to a contest, probably. And then they go up there and they do super well, you know? And then we just roll home, like, yeah. Another day. We do what we did. <laughs> You know, and that's how Toby Farms does it. You know, we just kind of show up, kick ass, and go home. You know, and then go have more fun. And that's really the whole attitude that we had about it. It was so organic and so just pure kids having fun. There was a lot of joy in that for you. And it sounds like that the, those experiences you guys had together created this camaraderie and this friendship for you guys. It, it helped form our ident- identities. And that's what's stronger than that when you're that age. What's what's a stronger thing in the world? And you know, you're all become we are we are what we are today because we got together and skateboarded back then because of that piece of wood that was introduced to us with wheels on it. You know, all of us, and you know, everybody's a good person. You know, community people. You know, Johnny gives back. He takes care of uh, underprivileged kids. You know, Johnny and Devin both went in the armed forces. You know, Matt, my brother, you know, a touring drummer. Um, I'm a business owner um, and an adventurer. <laughs> uh, like Definitely. We all have held on to those moments, and they were integral to us, and it helped form our identity. And that, and that was more important than what the, the class we were in. It was more important than the colors we were. It was more important than what our future goals were, if we had any or not. It, it was paramount. Skateboarding, and I got to say music, specifically punk rock, um, allowed us to be ourselves with each other. And, you know, the skateboard was also a vehicle to get there. I think that's really, really well said. And, you know, that, that sense of there was an authenticity that you guys were able to experience through skateboarding, through music, the creativity that you couldn't really get anywhere else. Are there any adventures or things that really stand out for you as like, oh my God, I can't believe we did that? Well, the funniest, one, the first thing is Pete Bendig and my brother Matt, they're a little younger than me, they got a ramp from Brookhaven. Somebody gave them a ramp. So we're talking like maybe three miles away. So they put this ramp on their skateboards and they pushed this ramp from Brookhaven like three miles away up and Stop. down hills back to Toby Farms. <laughs> Johnny and Shane did the same thing from the Kmart. <laughs> did this ramp Brookhaven. have wheels or? No, they put the wheel. They put the, the ramp on top of the skateboards, and then these two 
by the way, you know, we're all probably picturing like some 24-year-olds. We're talking like 11-year-old kids, you know, just walk this ramp down roads and into Toby Farms and parked it. In, in and Toby if you Farms. don't know some of these roads, I mean, some of these roads you're talking about really only have a shoulder. Like, they're, yeah. 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 Cars I mean, go pretty fast. For us, the skateboard at 352, uh, 352 is insanity. I mean, there's rocks, pebbles, cracks, everything. But it was just like, that's what we did. And we could have rode our bikes, but we preferred the skateboard. You know, it just, um, you know, two wheels move the body, four wheels move the soul, you know. And, you know, four wheels meaning a skateboard, not a car. Well said. But, um, so, so there's one episode where you guys push this ramp from Brookhaven to Toby Farms on, on your skateboards. Yeah. Anything else kind of stand out for yeah. you as some of the... The fun adventure that um, you guys had together. We would skateboard in Chester, and there was a place, um, it was a, um industrial center, and I think it was like a bread company there. And we would skateboard all these little curves and wall ride there. They had like little dis- embankments, and the guys would come out lunchtime, and they would just throw bagels at us. And, uh, <laughs> we would we all eat that? them. <laughs> <laughs> You know, they had fun. They would just come out and start throwing bagels at us, and we'd eat all the bagels, and that would be hilarious, you know. Um, uh, there was a train that would come by that we would sometimes hop on. <laughs> there was uh, a lot of antics, but that's skateboarding too, you know, being a goofball, being a complete goofball, you know. Um, I remember a couple, t- you know, speaking of adventures, when Alva came to the Grant Run Mall, um, it was pretty cool because Bill Danforth picked um, me and Shane and Devin and had us lay down and then ollied over all of us and we got our pictures in the Daily Times and all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, tell so, me a little bit about that. So what was that? That was sick. Yeah. Who, so you guys, who was who was doing the demo? Like So back then, skateboarding to kind of get their name out, they would just run demos. So the pros would come around um, and... I'm not quite sure who sponsored the one in Grant Run. Um, I mean, I would assume it'd be Fairman's. I keep saying Fairman's. I'm, I'm sure you know that was that's a big hub for all of us um, back in the day. So, anyways, whoever it was had Team Alva come to Grant Run, and they would just kind of close off a parking lot, and all these dads and moms would bring their kids, and we would just kind of hang out there, and they'd have all kinds of great, crazy music on, and um, just shred it up. You know, Bill Danforth was pretty hardcore back in the day. He was an Alva guy, so we were all about him. And, um, you know, he would just walk over and just grab some people. When he grabbed us, we were just like, yes, you know. (laughs) And uh, I think think Shane's even like, his face is like, whoa, (laughs) you know. But Danforth got over over top of him. We went to Fairman's in Prospect Park, and that's where um, Nottis came. Which was like our hero back in the day. Nottis Corpus was a uh, Santa Monica Airlines, I think he was back in the day, and um, he had he was street. You know, he was he would one of his greatest moves in the videos when he he'd ollie onto the top of a, a fire hydrant and spin his board and then hop off of it. And we had fire hydrants aplenty, so that was what we were always trying to do. Very hard to get done. Um, really hard. You know, but seeing him in person was unbelievable. Um, going out there, that's where, you know, I think my dad started going, okay, these kids are really loving this. And that's where he started driving us to places and really kind of just chaperoning the whole crew there, you know, and then just letting us be. Does anybody's dad ever, like, maybe your dad, or did you guys build your own ramps at any point? or? Absolutely. 
That's one of the best. That's, that's another one of the great things about skateboarding. You know, the whole like DIY thing is just such an important, you know, aspect of skateboarding. It's it can't be misunderstood. You know, um, like what what Chris Byrne did with his, all on him and his buddies. You know, all on their own. You know, and what some of my buddies did on their own, and what we did on a small scale. So uh, we would grab wood. <laughs> it always start out like this: you find a piece of plywood. You just find a piece of plywood. And then you get a couple center blocks and you put the piece of plywood right down and on the other center block. And then you go two center blocks and you go to three center blocks. And then this thing is so wonky that you can't even go near it. And then your dad comes out and he's like, yo, what the hell are you doing? And, you know, we can let, do better than this. let me show yeah. you how to screw a couple pieces of wood together. Um, and uh, Johnny's dad did it with him. Uh, we did it, my dad, and then, of course, our friends. We were pretty handy. And we started putting a little bit of transition on, but we never got to the point where it was vert. It was usually just a huge ramp. So what do you do with a huge ramp? Well, you line it up at the bottom of a huge hill. And this is what I mean by like, you know, some guys are out there being a little more uh, graceful. We were doing big stuff. And when I tell you, we would put this ramp at the bottom of the alley between Rainer, behind Rainer Road, uh, I'm sorry, behind Elson Road. And we'd go down the alley, this hill, and just go to like, you know, 100 yards, like a football field, and just go as fast as we can and just zero in on this ramp and then just hit the ramp and just front side grab it and hold on. And whoever went the farthest was, you know, the man that day, which was always (laughs) Shane. Always Shane. Yeah. And then what's the next thing you do? Well, okay, great. You can jump far. Well, what can you jump over? All right, let's put a bike there. Two bikes. Three bikes. I mean, it got to the point where we're jumping like four or five bikes, and then we're putting a we're putting the ramp in front of a car hood, and we're running jumping over a car. So this is the kind of stuff that your kids were doing <laughs> back in the '80s for fun, um, and it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, everything about it. Just think about pulling that off as a you know, and then you go home and you just felt like so awesome. I landed this. If you crashed, it was a bunch of, it was a catastrophe, but everybody's laughing and having a good time anyways. It was almost like, ah, your leg's bleeding. That's funny. (laughs) You know, um, but that's what it was. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the, the, the crew we were and we would all push each other. But I can tell you this much, as opposed to other kind of scenarios back in those times, if you crashed or if you didn't want to jump, that's cool. Nobody was jumping all over you. Nobody was calling you, you know, like you were less of a person because you weren't going to jump five bikes. It was all whatever, you know. And we were proud of the people who did it and the people who didn't, no big deal. Um, The McDermott's lived um, up the street and the McDermott brothers, um, good skateboarders. But Brian wasn't like, you know, Brian Brian and I weren't the best skateboarders. We can do stuff. But Brian was like, uh, he was like a comedian, his role almost in our crew was just keeping, we were laughing, we'd laugh so much, this guy, you know, so what? He couldn't do, you know, couldn't rail slide maybe. Never meant a thing. He was just as part, he was the biggest part of the crew as Shane was. still a part of the group. And, Absolutely. Yeah. So. You were driving each other and there was a competitive element to it, but it, it was nevertheless a very inclusive space where you were encouraged to almost just compete with yourself on what can you do and what's the next level that you can take it to. Yep. And if you can't take it to the same level as someone like Shane, that's okay. You get to take it to whatever your next level yeah, is. Yeah, I'm happy for Shane. Yeah. You know, I was I was at, in awe of Shane, you know, and again, the guy would just do 
just the most burly stuff and then just laugh when he's done, you know? You know, I, I kind of think about, like, what would it have been like for all of you if you had a concrete skate park? Like, what would... What would that have been like for, you know, for somebody like Shane, too, and and Johnny, who, you know, yep. who are taking it, and Devin, who were taking it to this next level? What would it have been like to have had a concrete skate park? It would have been life-changing. It would have been absolutely life-changing. Um, first off, we wouldn't have to ride our <laughs> skateboards seven miles away. Um, on McDade. On McDade. <laughs> Um, to some stranger's house to hope that they'll let us ride. Um, but that's neither here nor there. It, it would have been, first, first and foremost, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity, you know. Um, when I go out west and do my, you know, adventure rides, you know, I go past a town like Frisco that has, um, you know, skateboard park, skateboard vert ramp, skateboard, um, you know, a bowl, next to their baseball field, next to their, you know, football field. It's the same thing. So if, if a football field provides an opportunity, how can a skateboard park not provide an opportunity? That's what it is, first and foremost. So we, we being OGs back there, kind of created that out of what we had, which is how all skateboarding started. But with a little bit of help, with a little bit of uh, investment, you know, with some adults going, hey, man, this is cool. These kids are, like, not getting themselves in trouble and they're yeah. actually staying outside and being physical. You know, maybe we should like do something for you're them. You're talented. Yeah. You guys are talented. Shane, if, no matter – he's one of those guys, whatever sport he would have been the best at. He's completely talented. And, you know, as we know, Toby Farms, Chester, you know, it's a rough spot. It's a rough spot. God knows these kids need an opportunity to keep themselves from going down the wrong path, which some of us end up doing. And, um, you know, if there was a concrete state skate park there, that could have parlayed a lot of that or made it not even happen. Um, if there's a positive place for you to go, no matter what it is, that's, that's, that's great. Now, if you extrapolate that into the little bit that we did with what we had, and if you picture we had more opportunity, hey, for all we know, somebody could have been, went – could be a professional skateboarder because they had that because we were limited without vert there's street you know vert everybody knows tony hawk because of his vert even though he's awesome too street wise he can do whatever but everybody knows vert so street had a little uh after you might want to ask him like chris this he'll tell you exactly when you know <laughs> uh vert came in street kind of died out a little bit but you know, it was only it wasn't as big of a deal to do a big, you know, boneless like we were doing eventually. You know, kind of if we had Vert at our disposal, then I'm sure we would have been getting air. I'm sure Shane would have busted him a twist or something like that. Um, you know, it would have happened. And if you think about it as you get older, you know, like anything else, you can only rail slide the same thing so many times. You know, you can only do this thing so many times. Now, us and Chester were limited with um you know, we, we're poor. We're poor kids. So we didn't have as much opportunity <clears throat> to get out to the Reading Bowl, you know, or the Dust Bowl or something like that. You know, it wasn't just in the cards. Um, you know, some of the parents weren't all bought in, you mm -hmm. know. They're like, you know, like, I don't, I don't know what the skateboarding is. You know, I don't think this, the skateboarding thing is going to last, you know. Why would I invest my time and energy in this, you know. Some of the parents weren't bought into that. And we were limited because of that. Um, if all you had to do is go down the street 
and get away from everything that's bothering you and go skate, that's, that's a tremendous thing for the community. It's a tremendous thing for the person itself because you're in a healthy environment for growing physically and mentally. And I say art too. Yeah. I, I always got to throw in there. You know, skateboarding is as much an art as it is a sport to me. I think that, you know, I've heard a lot of others say that about skateboarding, that there's a lot of crossroads in the, you know, Chris said it. I think um, Jamie Godfrey, who did an interview, also said that, and Joey P, that there's so much crossroads between that. Um, and that, you know, the way that you skate, your own personal style is how you express that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's kind of like, it was almost like what you wore. You know what I mean? Like, we all know what we wear kind of, you know, tells you what, like, scene you're in or whatever, you know. Um, so your style, you know, where Devin was smooth and, and clean and, you know, yeah, he, he could just, he can just ollie just magnificently and, you know, every little street trick there was, he just seemed to master. Steve was good at it. Um, Devin, I'm sorry, Johnny, just as good. Me, I was clunky. You know, um, they would all make fun of me that if they videoed my crashes and nobody would ever want to skateboard again, you know, because when I hit <laughs> the ground, I hit the ground hard. Um, you know, um, and we all embraced those or those personalities and just kind of embellished them a little bit, you know. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't look like, I, I was a wrestler who skateboarded and a skateboarder who wrestled, you know. Like I was that jockey guy who wasn't a jock and skateboard guy who you know still kind of wore you know whatever jockey clothes or something you know and um but my style had i had a style all my own you know my brother matt real smooth you know real good style all his own everybody definitely developed their own style which is all part of the art and the, you know the identity that you're trying to form um i do got to say shane did drive the style of skateboarding though. Yeah, Shane, tell me about that. Shane would come around and again. Because from the photos that you see, it does look like that you you all had a really clear style for the time. Yeah. And was it, Shane the one that was driving that? Yeah. So he brought in a little bit of skateboard style. So our style was sweatpants, you know, um, like Converse basketball shoes, not Chuck Taylors. You know, I mean, I think there's pictures of, like, me in my, like, a varsity jacket. Like, you did not look like skateboarders. You look like just kids from the streets, really, hanging around. Um, and then Shane shows up, and, you know, he's got the, uh, he's got his hat on with the bill up, and he's got the big ST written on it for suicidal tendencies. And then we start, like, you know, cutting off our sleeves to our, like, you know, button-down work shirts that we just had handed down to us for the past, you know, three generations or whatever, you know, um, pulling the white socks up high, you know, um, yeah. it was really like a little bit of a dirt ball kind of style, but we're from, you know, we're like representing where we're from. We're from a tough, uh, you know, tough area. We're from a hard scrabble spot, you know? So we weren't really looking like, you know, we'll say some of the Springfield kids who were like a little more, uh, they probably had some of the t-shirts, you know, some Pal Parada t-shirts mm -hmm. or something like that. And, you know, maybe some Vans and all that jazz. We didn't have that stuff. Um, and um, Shane started to go that way. Um, I, no doubt, in my mind, I would think uh, with Shane, Johnny, and uh, Devin, 
you know, all Af- African American kids. Steve Stedham was a major deal to them, major deal. Tell me As who he, Steve Stedham was. His skating. He was, you know, one of the original, basically one of the first black skateboarders, at least who got um, advertised in Thrasher and whatnot, and you know. This is where we don't realize things until you grow up. As a white kid, I'm like, yeah, Steve Stadham, another you know, another skateboarder. Awesome. You know what I mean? But for these guys who 99.9% of the skateboarders are white dudes, for him to come out and you see him in a Thrasher magazine with a full-page article or a full-page advertisement, that Shane just started wearing everything. You know, he just started becoming that, you know, um, which was really, really cool because now he started to – not be just these hard scrabble kids wearing, you know, sweatpants. Now we started going, and, all right, I'm going to get a bill. Let's flick the bill up. Now we're going to get the skate style a little bit. And we actually started getting that, which was much needed, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, are you guys in high school? We're in high school. Um, I'd say it really took off in that type of manner where we're trying to do something with it. Uh, and let me, let me just make sure. So when I say try and do something with it, or when we say that, it's – there was never an end goal. It was just like, well, I can't ollie yesterday. I want to learn how to ollie today. You know, that was it. It wasn't like we're trying to become something. It was just what we did. It was us, uh, which is why it's so embedded in us and so why we're still all passionate about it to this day. Um, so freshman year is when I probably really started kind of getting serious more about it, uh, trying to get better at it. And my younger brother was a year or two younger than me. Johnny was a year younger. So I'd say it was like 7th, 8th, ninth grade where that happened. And then it was pretty much through high school. I got to say, once we get our driver's license and in the suburbs, we got it the day we turned 16. And um, that started slowing it down for each person as you got the car. Because... <laughs> Now you got a car. Yeah. <laughs> you can get around in. Um, and sometimes with the car, when, you know, you're in high school, that comes with other stuff. Like, you start getting a job, you know. Yeah, you just start doing stuff. time looks different. Exactly. Now, we all kept skating, um, but it wasn't the end-all, be-all of every day. So, the glory days were more or less 7th, 8th, ninth sophomore year. And then things started kind of, you know, we actually did start just going our own ways, just in our own right. You know, hanging out with our own friends here and there or whatever um you know i really tried to search out we all went to a uh, all boys catholic school in chester st james which is no longer there i started to really get into this skate let's call it a counterculture scene skateboarding bicycling music um at those times and i started to branch out from really my kind of little box of St. James and going out to the public school, Strathaven, Ridley, and all that. And that's where I really met all the skaters. That's really where I went and found everybody who was real deal Delco skateboarders, you know. And But that was me because I was a little older, you know. Devin and Johnny they and Matt skated a little more, and then they went their separate ways. Everybody kind of just went where they went. Unfortunately, Shane kind of just went somewhere. You know, eventually, as we got older and, you know, older shit starts happening, um, you know, everybody dealt with it in different ways. Um, and Shane was lost for a little bit there, you know, um, like we couldn't even find him. 
but we did. Naturally. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, he popped yeah. back up and um you know, he was just um he's he was he had a tough tough paper route in Chester, you know, there's no other way to say it. Um you know, I was much more privileged in many ways and um but man, when we saw each other, it was the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, when did so you kind of reconnect with Shane? So where we finally reconnected, and uh, I don't have any social media now, but I was in that social media game for a hot minute or whatever, and I got on Facebook. So I was on Facebook, and um, that's where I found Shane, Johnny, I don't think Devin's on social media, um, a lot of these. And we, that's where we just kind of started having small conversations. And that's where I found out, you know, Shane was still in Chester, or I think he was in Delaware at this time. I believe he had a daughter, and he would very rarely post, but, you know, I'd get through it on here and there and send him some pictures and stuff like that. So it was, it was just a computer back and forth kind of thing. Always talked about linking up, and we never did link up, which, of course, to this day, I, it kills me because, um, you know, Shane, Shane died. Um, he died in... Um, what year did he die? Uh, 2019, I believe. You said he passed away in 2019? 19, yeah. Yeah. Um, complications of diabetes. And that, uh, that, that broke me up. That broke me up pretty bad, to be honest with you. It broke my brother Matt up, too. Um, you know, when we... Uh, had to lose him so young. Yeah, it's not like, um, you, you know, we weren't hanging out every day. I mean, we haven't talked to each other in years or whatever, but... A major influence in my life, you know, major. And we were boys, you know, we were boys, and you know, again, I can still, I can still see us just sitting there rocking out, listening to suicidal tendencies, and just, you know, sitting on a, on our basically our front steps, you know, sharing the Walkman back and forth. Listen to this, listen to that, you know. What do you want to do? Let's go ride to the rail slides, you know. Let's go, let's go hit the launch ramp. All right, you know, and just laughing and being goofballs and I just I just I hope I think and I hope that we were as meaningful to him as he was to us um, because a lot of these guys um, my mom and dad were really really accepting and of everything and everybody and you know a lot of them we would congregate at our house you know my mom and dad would have like eight kids in their little rec room in the basement you know with stinking like sweat and drinking Gatorade or whatever after getting done skateboarding and going back out. Um, but, yeah, he passed away, and, you know, that happens. You know, it happens. <laughs> when, when you think about kind of the legacy of Shane and everything that he meant to kind of your skating, to the skating of your friends, and how he really drove a lot of what you guys accomplished through skateboarding, and you think about like so now there there is a park that's being built in Toby Farms at Warrilow Park, mm -hmm. um, and you guys know that space. You guys you use that space, but there's there's now a new skate park there. And what what would that have meant to Shane to have that there? I mean, he probably would have lived down there for a little bit, <laughs> like literally. You know how some people live at like FDR. He probably would live down there for a little bit. I can see him being that tight. Um, it's just, again, if it would have meant the world to us, 
it means the world. It means the world to us right now that this is happening. You know, I got Johnny over and um, I think he's in California now. Uh, Devin's down in Delaware, me, me and Matt. Like, we are just amazed that this is even happening. Like, it's just out of this world. Um, and I saw, like, you sent me a picture of, uh, what was it, four or five kids that uh, the coalition gave, got some boards to, and they were, you know, at the park. It was uh, Jesse from Fifth Pocket. Jesse did it. Yeah, okay. got the boards to the kids, and they, they got a photo of these kids that live in the neighborhood. They're all holding their boards, and they just have big smiles on their faces. It's, it's a great Huge, photo. pure smiles. And that, that, that picture looks like... Me and my boys back it's like in the day. you guys. Yeah. Like, it is, a, it's just the next next generation of it. Um, and they, they're, they're smile. it's the smiles that hit me the most in that thing. It's like, man, they are happy. They're holding this damn board in their hand, and they have this whole park in front of them. For them. It's more than we ever could have ever dreamed of. You and know. you guys knew that space, like you, that because it's it's sort of a, an interesting space because there's there's homes up on mm-hmm. the hill above it, and then there's a bit of a slope, and then there's you know a flat area where they they've started to you know build spaces for mm-hmm. recreation, but before that was there, there was just a lot of overgrowth, mm-hmm. and there's a pretty steep hill there. Yep. And you guys used to use that hill. So the local, <laughs> the spot where you have it now, which, because I was really curious where the spot was going to be. Uh, and we were taking bets on where it was going to be. And we thought it was going to be where the old pool was, but, and I'll tell you where that, about that. But the spot that it's at is about, um, we'll say about 500 yards from the Wallows. Um, and then about 300 yards from the rail slide six by sixes. And it's at the bottom of the, the, the Sleddy Hill, Hamburger Hill, which we called because at the bottom of Hamburger Hill, there was a fence. So if you didn't stop your sled before you, you'd hit, either hit the fence or you'd slide <laughs> under the fence and it would completely rip all the skin oh. on your body and hamburger you up. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is great. <laughs> right? uh, and then if you went further than us, you'd go into the creek. Um, not, not creek, creek. Yep. <laughs> Which is not a little trickle of water. Like, yeah. it's, it's really more like a river. Yeah. Sure. You go flying in. Um, so that hill was great for, for sledding because we'd build jumps there um, and just fly. And then you'd tumble off the, the sled before you got hamburgered underneath the fence. And we'd also, that's where um, we started snowboarding, which I still do to this day. Um Tell me a little bit about your your snowboarding because, you know, when you're telling me about how you guys got ramps from, like, Brookhaven to... I'm sure there was some ingenuity here on, on how you were snowboarding. Well, the ingenuity was how to, is to make your own snowboard. And how do you make your own snowboard? Well, you take your skateboard deck and take everything off of it, preferably an old one. And then you'd go get your tube out of your 26-inch BMX bike and you would tie the tube front to back on the, on the, snow, on the skateboard deck. Then you'd wax the whole deck up with skateboard wax, and then you'd stick your feet underneath the tube <laughs> as a binding, and you'd snowboard down. So then all of us skaters, all of us, are now snowboarding down this hill in 1986 you know, or what, not, what was it? We'll say 1988, you know? Um, and Tell again, me about skateboarding I mean, down, because that's a pretty steep 
slope that's yeah steep. i mean it's not yeah. long but it's steep yeah. um at first you would fall all over just like when you try to snowboard for the first time but once you got it you got that feel it was not much different than skateboarding and next thing you know you're hitting the little ramp that you built and you're pulling a method and you're doing stuff that you can do on a skateboard on this little I don't even, if you want to call it a snowboard, I mean, I don't even know how it worked. <laughs> All I know is you had to put the, where you put the air in a tube, that had to be facing up because that would cause the, the drag on the bottom of the skateboard. Um, but yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff, you know, I started skateboarding on that and, you know, I've hella boarded Whistler. So, but it all started from that, you know, and that's the ingenuity and that's like the stuff, again, the DIY, that skateboarding and that scene really kind of pushes i mean it was awesome to sit there and like i remember talking to each other like yeah I mean, maybe we'll uh you know we'll take the wheels off of this and then take the the, the rails off of it and then you know and, oh we got that wax you know like we would just talk about it and just do it figure That's, it out yeah you just figure it out it's something to do uh but that hill so at the bottom of the sled hill is where the new park the skate park is and again wallows if you're in skateboarding, you know Wallows from the Search for Animal Chin, which is the iconic skateboard movie, um, and basically our like you know Bible of skateboarding. I mean, we would get together with the VHS tape and sit there with our sodas or whatever and just watch that and laugh. Anyways, they hit the Wallows up, which I think was in like Hawaii or something, and um, the Wallows was the real Wallows was like a channel, almost like a L.A. River looking thing, you know, but small. And um, Hasoy and all that would just cruise it and kill it. So we went hiking back in the woods behind the abandoned pool. There's an abandoned pool that's not there anymore. And we found this, like, area that was, um, I guess, the only thing I think it was, I think it was, like, four tennis courts, one about, you know, going up a hill, one about, like, three, four feet higher than the next. Yeah. But there was no fencing. There was no tennis, nothing. It was just boom, 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 just levels. So we went down there and brooms and cleaned everything up, got all the broken glass off there, got all the stones off there, and now we had our wallows. So, you know, where you got to be after the bus? I'm going to be at the wallows. All right, and we'd go to the top and we'd launch off of them, boneless off of them, um, you know, try and do all kinds of different little teeny vert tricks going up it, and just over and over and over and over again. It was just, it was the great. And we had our own little wallows there at Toby Farms. You guys created that space. Well, I won't say, to, I'm not going to say we created it. Somebody created it for some other use. Yeah. We just made a better use of it. <laughs> it sounds like it. It absolutely does. Yeah. That's a great story. So we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Hey everyone, this is Nick Ludwig. We need concrete skate parks here in Delco and I'm working with the Delco Skate Park Coalition to help us reach that goal. If you want to find out what you can do to help Delaware County get concrete, ADA accessible, and inclusive skate parks, please go to our website at www.skatedelco.org and find out how you can support the mission of the Delco Skate Park Coalition. Thanks. So we're back uh, from the break, and Sean, I wanted just to ask you, you know, because we go from um, doing a lot of skateboarding to taking some of that creativity and applying it to like getting involved in the zine. And you were involved in style and zine. Yeah, a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Um, style and zine. Um, as I talked to you before, I just got back from a um, from a bike ride across the Rockies. 
one of the guys who I went, I went with two other guys. One of them was Dave Fox. Dave Fox is, uh, you know, one of my best friends. And um, he was a sponsored Flatlander back in the day, sponsored by, by, by Schwinn. He grew up in Wallingford. And Dave, uh, big DIY kind of guy that he is, he built um, Stylenzine. He decided to uh, build a little zine, Stylenzine. Now, Stylenzine was um, different than Atomic, where Atomic was pure skate. Stylenzine was really both, probably more bike-leaning toward. But Adam uh, Walkavage, who I mentioned earlier, um, if your listeners don't know Adam, he's, he's a true, really one of the pioneers of Delco skating. Um, you know, he was older than us. Um, I think when he got it, he went to the Navy. But somehow he he was a photographer for Thrasher. I mean, they would take some of his, you know, he'd take pictures for Thrasher. Amazing photos. Yeah. And this dude living here in Springfield with us. And, you know, we'd all end up hanging out at the same places. Uh, the, the, grape, the Grapevine. The Grapevine basically was um, a, a hub of creative kids. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Tell me about the Grapevine because I think, you know, there, this was a, a space that was a, a place where you guys could come together and congregate. Like, you know, where was it? Who put that together? Some dude from Swarthmore, some dad, mom or dad, I should say, rented out a hall in Swarthmore. And I guess somehow the kids, it was organized this way. You'd walk into the top and the top would be all these high school kids. Moms and dads would just drop us off. We'd go in there. There's no like chaperones, and there's no adults in there. But we weren't doing. We were a lot of you know. We weren't doing crazy stuff, um, bad stuff, I should say. Like we go in there, and it was all art. Everybody be posting their artwork up that they've been doing, you know. Um, and me coming from a, a Catholic school, we didn't even have art. Like you know, it was crazy. I was like, people can express themselves this, this way. And so that was pretty new to people you. won't make fun of them you know like wow this is awesome so that would be just cool in its own right besides the fact that there's you know guys girls everything there and then you go downstairs where it would be dark and the hardcore bands would be playing and now you got all these bands that are just playing you know great music you know put picture this they'd be covering like you know danzig or chromags or something like that and there'd be an awesome pit and you know, it was like a little dangerous. Uh, so you kind of had this like edgy thing and you had this artsy thing. And then, you know, everybody would go home and it happened like the next week, you know, or once a month, whatever it was. But that really allowed so many people who were artistic and creative to kind of get together and really create more art and, you know, more creativity. Uh, one of them was, was Dave. We were just talking about Dave Fox, and Adam was always there too. Adam's a phenomenal artist, and he drew for Style and Zine, and I think he formatted a lot of stuff for for Style and Zine. Dave eventually asked me to write for Style and Zine. I did a few uh, stories for him, um, but the importance of all this kind of stuff is it really got skateboarding out there. You know, I mean. And skateboarding, like, in, in Delaware County, too. In Delaware County. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I mean, it was cool that it wasn't just cycling. You know, I mean, I shouldn't say cycling, BMXing. You know, it was cool. So now we have skateboarding in here. So this zine was so inclusive of the counterculture. And, of course, we threw music in there, too. I think uh, Dave interviewed um, Typo Negative for it. You know, he was really, 
he still is the kind of guy who goes out there and will just, you know, if you think of it, do it. We, that's kind of one of our little mottos. <laughs> we used to do this kind of stuff with my one band. Like, if you're going to say it, if, you, if you're going to say it, you better be ready to do it. That's the kind of way we did things. And still, I still try to do it that way. Yeah. You know, it's not just talk. Like, you know, man, that'd be awesome if I can interview Typo Negative, you know? Well, Dave didn't just sit there and just say it would be awesome. He figured out a way to do it, you know? And that all comes from the DIY skateboarding, BMX, counterculture, building your own ramps, putting an inner tube around a thing. It's like we don't have, we all came from the 80s and the 70s and 80s without having something to do. Nothing, we didn't have a device that kept you busy. So we had to actually figure something out. And that's where this kind of stuff happened. Um, you learn to be pretty resourceful. Absolutely. Doing things like that. So then if you have an idea and you want to do something, you know, that the culture around the style and scene and around the people that you were around were like, no, you just, you go make it happen. Do it. Yeah. yeah. It's not weird to start this funk band in the middle of like 1990, like some of the guys did, you know, like Bill and Frank and, you know, Ron, you know, like, I keep on saying music. That That's as important. The music scene was hand in hand with the skate scene. BMX counterculture. And it sounds like and there was this place where that could kind of come together. It's great. At the grapevine. I mean, there was nothing like it in the world. For you to be able to go down there and see, you know, event, older people, older kids doing it, and then eventually we started doing it. I was never a musician myself, but my brother Matt became a drummer. Bill Jenkins, who's a major skater, uh, who was a business partner of mine uh, for years, he, they got it and started Sugar Daddy you know, which became King Snake. Those guys all saw this stuff and was like, oh, I can do that. That's a, actually a possibility. You know, how many kids grow up and like watch like rock and roll stars or whatever from on, on TV or on stage and they're like, I can never do that. That's not even possible. Well, here we are, they're right in front of you, playing on a stage, playing Mountain Song by James Addiction and blowing you away. And you're, you know, you were just, you were just high off the energy, the creative energy that's going on there. And of course, the grapevine, again, that guy or girl who did this has no idea how much talent was spawned because of that. And I say because of or purpose, because I don't know how much of it would have flourished without it. You know, Adam's very successful in his own right. You know, so many um, skaters that came through there. I, I know Jim Hauser was there a lot. You know, Ben Woodward was there a lot. Bill Jenkins we just talked about. Wall Cabbages. You know, all these people who were great skaters and great people congregating this spot. And I, when I say good old clean fun, I mean, it wasn't like there was tons of drinking and drugs and all that kind of stuff going on. It wasn't. You know what I mean? It was like, we're here for art and music. Mm-hmm. I mean, it I mean, sounds like it was a great space to network, too. Absolutely. I mean, there is a huge network of people like Chris from Burn from Lansdowne and me from Chester who know each other because of places like this, because of skateboarding and music. And to this point, it's ironic, I guess. Is ironic the right word? I don't know. But, you know, you interview Chris Byrne. And I think I said to you, I said, you got a great guy there. He's a passionate skater, blah, blah, blah. I said, you know, I know him from a friend of mine who was a skater, Bill Boylan. And now I do business with Chris Byrne. For he, you know, I have a gardening business and he does the shirts for me. That's because of skateboarding. 
that that's the connection. In fact, if I'm going to meet, if I am going to like, you know, angle three people to maybe do business with, and I know one guy's a skateboarder, I'm doing business with a skateboarder. Because <laughs> I know that dude. I know he's, he's, we're on the level, you know? We're in it for the same reason. Probably because of the passion, not to make money, you know? Um, so Delaware County has such a strong network of, of skateboarding and it's it's here now but like and it has its roots like going really far back and when we think about kind of you know like you said having a space where you could network and you could meet other skaters you know it's still so uh surprising that a county this size and with this population and diversity and with such a strong skate community doesn't have a concrete skate park that is you know that meets the needs. I mean, we, we've got one now in Toby Farms, but like mm-hmm. something much bigger that, you know, that's for like the whole county, um, it, that it's not there. It boggles my mind. I mean, it completely boggles my mind. I, it's a slow, slow transition. And, you know, skateboarding is proud of its little vigilante image. And I am too. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like I, you know, I'm I'm completely proud of that. I mean, I I, I want to be known as punk rock more than you know anything else in a way. Um, so that's a blessing and a burden for it, you know. Um, and it's hard to, you know, you become some square, you know, you're not really as accepted in this, as as a counterculture person, and of course, if you're counterculture, the squares aren't really going to accept you, you know. Um, I think slowly but surely, Delaware County, which has primarily been pretty, you know, um, I guess conservative is the best way to say, you know, in its values and whatnot. And along with that, I think they see skateboarding as a, you know, those kids are up to no good, you know. Um, That's this, I think, uh, the prevailing kind of stigma around skateboarding. You know, and I think one of the interesting thing is, <clears throat> like, you look at communities like, Lansdale and some of some of the communities outside of Pennsylvania too and New Jersey where they put in these these big concrete parks um, some of the things that you know you think of with regard to that stigma just really aren't there at these mm-hmm. parks these parks are being used by a broad range of people broad age group you know whenever I go I mean I I was talking with Gloria Hegg, like we tend to go to the skate park first thing in the morning. We're like, we just want to go and, you know, mm-hmm. nobody else is there. And But even then, there's like, you know, there's a lot of parents there, a lot of kids there. And throughout the day, these parks are being used. And that that kind of, although there's still this element of punk rock in terms of your skating and what, you know, what you're trying to accomplish, that sense of up to no good just really isn't a part of how these public spaces are being used. No, it's it's the only thing that hasn't become the the norm. I mean, skateboarding is part of the norm these days. You know, I mean, punk rock, I mean, hot topic, I mean, is an actual store, you know what I mean? <laughs> so you can go buy the image, so to speak. So really the only thing that hasn't been accepted wholly is the, the skateboard parks right. <laughs> you know um other than that the same people who are probably saying i don't want there to be a skateboard park in my town their kids probably skateboarding and has you know dyed black hair or something you know but for whatever reason they can't we can't get over that hump with the skateboard actual parks and i would invite anybody 
to go out west and look at these beautiful you know, facilities that are made that really take care of everybody. The kid who wants to be a pro baseball player and the kid who wants to be a pro uh, ba uh, skateboarder. You know, they, they exist. They coexist. And the same motive is behind it. It gives the kids something to do. You know? Where are some of the skate spaces you've seen? Like, uh, have you been to some of the bigger parks in the West? Well, I guess it's not just the West. I mean, the most impressive skate park I've actually laid my eyes on is up in Burlington, Vermont. It's unbelievable, that skate park. I mean... And, you know, the other thing about the skate park is, and here I go back with the art thing, it's like an art installment. It really is. And, you know, I'm not against the ball sports. I'm a, I'm a baseball guy myself. Mm -hmm. I take care of Media Little League. I'm the guy that takes care of the fields. So I look at the fields and the complex as like a, you know, in an artistic way. I'm trying to build a community center here. Um, you can do that so much better with a skate park because you have actual, you know, architecture that, you know, goes vertical, you know, and uh, horizontal, you know, it's just smooth and sexy looking, you know, it's like, it's actually an art installment in its own right. If you allow yourself to think that way and then it's rideable, it's something to do on top of that, you know, as a, I can't picture how somebody can't see that as a plus, but you know, and what it brings to the yeah. community. Absolutely. I'm and sure there's bad kids who go to football fields and baseball fields too, you know, <laughs> so, no. I don't know. But I also think that having those spaces, um, you know, gives somebody, you know, who's younger, who maybe doesn't have those other communities, who doesn't, Joey P was talking about that, who, you know, doesn't have the, the way in for traditional coach sports. And you, mm -hmm. give that, mm -hmm. you give that kid a skateboard and you give them a space to skate and then they can find something. That's well said really well said it, it you he's yeah because somebody who is doesn't have the opportunities like i think we use the word opportunity a lot in this conversation so kind of i think that's what it mainly comes down to it's an opportunity but for the many many kids in chester who don't have a a, a sniff of an opportunity to grab a, a to get to a skateboard park you know um that could be a life-changing thing you know um you know, there's a saying, again, I'm a baseball guy, you hand a kid a baseball and it changes your life. You know, it does. You know, your life, your life comes around baseball for a little bit. You're having a catch with your kid. And when you have a catch with your kid, you're talking. And you're not talking at the kid, you're doing something with them. And it's just a much easier way to go. And um, skateboarding can be the same thing for anybody. You know, dad doesn't even have to be skating. You sit there on the, on, on the bench and just watch a kid go. And every once in a while, the kid stops and says something to me. Well, my son's in the skateboarding. He's a little out of it now, but you know, we would go to the skateboard parks. I'd hang out there. I'd skate a little bit with them and we'd have conversations, no different than any other sport. It was to connectedness. The one thing that I do think skateboarding and snowboarding and cycling too has over all the ball sports. What I've noticed as a um, dad now you know, the best thing about skateboarding, snowboarding is I'm not on the side. I'm doing it with them. Mm -hmm. I'm skateboarding with my kid. You know, we're riding alongside each other doing these ramps. That's big. You know, that's a big thing as opposed to sitting inside of a, on a sideline yelling to my kid to do better at some sport. I'm doing it with him. And some, what happened with me, it was like, oh, I couldn't ollie as good again. So now I was learning to ollie the same time he was learning to ollie. And we got better together and did stuff like that. Um, 
now to segue to what Joey P said, doesn't need you don't even need another person involved. You can just go out there. You don't need that other person to have to catch with. It's just you and your skateboard. You go out there and you just start riding a damn skateboard. And you're going you're just doing something. And then you start to kind of try and push yourself and progress on your own without even a coach. That's strong. If you can learn if you can push yourself, that's a life skill that'll last forever. Um, if you can be confident, if you can build confidence without somebody having it's probably easier to build confidence doing it on your own and somebody kind of chirping at you to do this a little better, you know, and you just do it over and over again. Um, that kid who's handed a skateboard, no matter the demographic, you know, is learning how to challenge himself or herself and push themselves without any adult being even involved. Isn't that kind of what we want, you know? That's... I mean, isn't that like what we ask for what we're trying to teach you know? them to be able to do um and then again on top of that you know once the kids if you're not into playing football or basketball or baseball and you know not everybody has to and it's cool if you don't want to but sometimes you know like you're like looking where you fit in you know i don't want to do that i don't want to do this you know like even if i could you know i can, I can play basketball but i really don't feel like being in that environment for whatever reason you know then what do you do if you don't have something else like a skateboarding around? So if you're Ken Toby Farms and you don't really want to play for the local sports or whatever, or for any reason, what's the other option if there's not a skateboard park or, you know, some jumps or something for your bike, you know? And having that really good terrain gives them a space where they can, they can develop it. Safely too. Yeah. They're not going, they're not riding their skateboard up McDade they're Boulevard. They're not up, up McDade Boulevard. You know, like... <laughs> That's 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 tremendous to have that. And again, there are so many athletes. There's so much talent in Chester, Chester Township, Chester, Delaware County. There's tons of it. And opportunity is the only way for that to giving them some sort of opportunity to exp, to expound on that's the only way for it to work. You know, we're basically limiting ourselves by not giving ourselves a skate park at this point in time. We're limiting what we have to offer. You know, Delaware County has a lot. It's it's the, always had a it's lot. It's the center of the freaking world. I mean, <laughs> I've gone all around the country. I, I was in the middle of a desert in, in Moab one time on my bike, and I ran into some guy from Delaware County. I mean, I don't know what else tells you <laughs> about that. So, you know, there is a lot of, op there's a lot of room to grow. In that, you know, I, I mean, I think it would be cool someday if there was a skateboarder out of Delaware County in the Delco Hall of Fame, you know, like, why can't possible. that happen? I agree. <laughs> totally possible. The <laughs> athletes we have down here, absolutely possible. Shane could have did it, but there was no skateboard back then, you know, now there is, thanks to you all. Yeah. Well, Sean, I can't thank you enough for coming today and talking with us and sharing your skate history. And it has been super fun to hear your stories. And every time I drive down McDade Boulevard, <laughs> I'm gonna think of you guys <laughs> out there on your skateboards. It wasn't just us. There was lots of pockets of people doing it. It was, um, it's probably, um, there's probably a little, there's a little cruise from every little section of Delco, you know, and everybody has their own story. And everybody's proud and happy of, of that story. It's um, skateboarding is a wonderful, wonderful thing. No matter who you are or what time of your life it is, it's there's nothing like it. 
There's yep. nothing like it. And I'm a hardcore bicyclist and I say that about <laughs> skateboarding. So so well said and I completely agree with you. And we want to get those stories on this podcast. So yeah. yeah. But I thank you so much for being here today, Sean. Thanks for the opportunity. If you want to find out more about the mission of the Delco Skate Park Coalition, or if you'd like to be a part of our podcast, go to www.skatedelco.org. And thanks for listening.